0: Welcome to the PCC Podcast, your place for CNS soundbites. Hi, I'm John Sheldon, publisher of the Primary Care Companion for CNS Disorders. In the next 30 minutes, I'll bring you up to date on the important peer-reviewed research and reviews from our latest issue. Let's get started. Bipolar disorder is commonly seen in the primary care setting but can be very difficult to diagnose with many patients going undiagnosed or misdiagnosed for many years. Often it does not present as pure mania or pure depression. Instead, patients can have symptoms of both or be in a mixed state. The DSM-5 recognizes that patients will often have subsyndromal mixed symptoms by including the mixed specifier in its characterization of bipolar disorder. This is important because it helps us recognize that many of the patients who are initially labeled as having depression but who possess subsyndromal syndromes may progress to bipolar disorder. Furthermore, these depressed patients with mixed symptoms tend to be more difficult to treat and have generally worse outcomes. From a treatment perspective, patients with depression and subsyndromal manic symptoms often require the addition of an atypical antipsychotic or a mood stabilizer to properly manage their symptoms. For patients with mania and subsyndromal depressive symptoms, antidepressants should be avoided, and a combination of antipsychotics and mood stabilizers should be used. Bipolar disorder, while challenging both diagnostically and therapeutically, can be well-managed by the astute clinician. Read this article by Hugh and colleagues to find out more and for the opportunity to obtain continuing medical education credit. The clinical use of sedatives and hypnotics has gradually increased in recent years. Previous studies have reported various adverse effects associated with their use. However, the impact of hypnotics on stroke risk has not been elucidated. Given the suggestive but limited data available on hypnotics and the possible risk of stroke, the authors of this study conducted a case-controlled study using the National Health Insurance Research Database in Taiwan a unique nationwide population-based claims data system with information on the medical history of all citizens. The authors selected 2,779 stroke patients and 27,790 controls matched for age, gender, physician visit date, and comorbidity. The impact of hypnotics on stroke was examined by multiple logistic regression models and sensitivity analyses. Individuals prescribed any hypnotic had elevated risk of stroke compared to those prescribed no hypnotics. Hypnotics such as zolpidem and estazolam were associated with increased stroke risk in individuals with or without hypertension or diabetes. After adjusting for other factors, the ischemic stroke risk was evident in zolpidem and estazolam. Adjusted odds ratios were elevated in separate analyses for zolpidem and estazolam. The authors found that zolpidem and estazolam were slightly associated with an increased risk of stroke. Use of hypnotics should always be determined by specialists, and adverse effects should be continuously monitored. Lithium is widely used in the treatment of various psychiatric disorders. Lithium has a narrow therapeutic range and a mortality rate of about 9% in patients intoxicated during maintenance therapy. The objective of this study was to identify patients' knowledge of lithium in the elderly population. The study was carried out in the outpatient service of a department of old-age psychiatry in Ireland. The instrument used was the 20-item lithium knowledge test, which was developed to identify patients' practical and pharmacological knowledge of lithium. A total of 33 patients on lithium therapy who attended the clinic between January 2011 and July 2011 participated in the survey and completed the questionnaire. The mean lithium knowledge test score of the sample population was 4.45, suggestive of poor knowledge of lithium. The mean lithium knowledge test hazard score was 5.85 highly suggestive of potentially hazardous lack of knowledge. There was a significant negative correlation between the lithium knowledge test score and hazard score. The survey showed that patients with poor knowledge of lithium have increased risk of lithium toxicity. The survey results highlight the need for patients to be given comprehensive information about lithium prior to commencement of treatment and a refresher educational program during lithium therapy. Psychiatric disorders are common in somatic patients. In general hospitals, psychiatric consultation services address the psychiatric needs of somatic patients. The psychiatric consultation service can be challenging, as the patient's physical as well as psychiatric state has to be considered. In this study, the authors investigated the psychiatric consultation service within a general hospital in Berlin, Germany, throughout the course of four years. Specifically, they were interested in the treatment procedures that the consultant psychiatrists decided on for bipolar patients. The results show that the consultant psychiatrists were not presented with many bipolar patients, possibly due to underdiagnosis of bipolar disorder in favor of unipolar depression or the fact that bipolar patients were directly treated in psychiatric hospitals. Approximately half of all bipolar patients visited the general hospital primarily because of their bipolar disorder. The remaining bipolar patients were treated for various somatic illnesses unrelated to their bipolar disorder throughout the hospital, with a relative overrepresentation of patients in the neurology department. More than 50% of the bipolar patients were referred to a psychiatric hospital by the consultant psychiatrist. Benzodiazepines were the most commonly administered drug for acute pharmacologic intervention. The authors emphasize the importance of the psychiatric consultation service for bipolar patients in general hospitals. Bipolar patients should consult with a psychiatrist for diagnostic investigations, acute treatment interventions, and further psychiatric therapy when required. Sleep disorders are common in the veteran's population, and there is an increasing need for sleep medicine services for returning veterans. Primary care providers are uncomfortable diagnosing and treating sleep disorders, and patients often have to wait several days before they can be seen by a sleep clinician. In this article, the authors describe a pilot project for primary care sleep medicine integration established at the Minneapolis VA Medical Center. Primary care providers were involved in decision-making, resulting in improved satisfaction with sleep medicine. Primary care clinicians cited easy access to a sleep specialist quick resolution of the consultation, and the ability to obtain a curbside consultation with a sleep specialist without formally referring the patient as main reasons for their satisfaction with the process. The authors note that since there is a shortage of sleep physicians in the VA system, utilizing advanced practice providers is a potential option. In addition, advanced practice providers and psychologists working in the primary care mental health program in the VA system could be trained in sleep medicine and could work in this model as well. Over the past few decades, a sizable body of literature on the effects of rumors and gossip has emerged. Addressing rumors in the workplace is an important subject as rumors have a direct impact on the quality of the work environment and also on the productivity and creativity of the employees. To date, little has been written on the effect of rumors and gossip in psychiatric hospitals. This article presents four case vignettes of rumors spread in psychiatric hospitals and the impact on team cohesion and morale among the staff implicated in these too often neglected occurrences. Rumors are associated with group polarization, and belief in rumors tend to rigidly solidify opinions. Remedy in cases of undue rumors in psychiatric hospitals is an ongoing repair process. Often relationships have to be reevaluated. When faced with rumors and gossip that have been present for a longer period of time, information gathering followed by spelling out all of the details of the rumor in a community meeting is often a crucial turnaround moment in stopping rumor contagion as rumors cannot be stopped by one person only. The authors conclude that specific preventive measures and remedy are tantamount in preventing long-term negative consequences in the functionality of a psychiatric department. Read this article to find out more about this interesting topic. Over the past decade, psychiatric illnesses and in particular psychotic disorders in children and adolescents have been recognized more frequently. This increase in recognition, combined with changing trends in the provision of mental health care, has led primary care physicians and pediatricians to increasingly serve as the principal treaters of psychiatrically ill youth and their families. The question for today's healthcare providers is not whether psychotic symptoms will be encountered in daily practice, but how to confidently and effectively diagnose and treat the conditions in which they manifest. The authors of this issue's Rounds in the General Hospital provide a primer on the evaluation and management of children and adolescents with psychiatric disorders. If you have ever been unsure about whether a young person in your practice was psychotic or simply imaginative, wondered how to evaluate such a patient and what resources to recommend, or been concerned about the use of antipsychotics and the potential for adverse side effects, then this article should prove useful for your practice. In this issue's psychotherapy casebook, Dr. Schuyler highlights the case of Mr. A, a 60-year-old veteran admitted to the specialized inpatient unit called the Community Living Center. Although the expectation for the residents of this community is life at its final stage, some improve sufficiently to actually achieve discharge. Others remain residents for far longer than the standard six-month or less stay. A common issue among the residents of the community living center is the inability to continue doing what they did previously. For some, this inability may form the basis for how they view their identity. Helplessness comes in a variety of forms, and for some patients, it may recur over and over again. Thus, entry into this life stage often mandates a change. Read how psychotherapy helped Mr. A adapt to this new life stage, as well as coping with feelings of helplessness. Please visit us online at primarycarecompanion.com for new postings and the opportunity for continuing medical education credit, as well as timely case reports and special web-based interactive content. Thanks for joining me for this summary of offerings and our current issue of the Primary Care Companion for CNS Disorders. This is John Shelton signing off. I hope you will join me for the next installment of the PCC podcast, Your Place for CNS Soundbites.